Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. Excited to be back. This episode is going to be all about NFL and specifically fantasy stuff. So get to my fantasy musings nine weeks in on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. I'm back nine weeks into the season. Look, there's no place to hide and very little time to make up ground lost if you've not capitalized early on and dug yourself a big hole. So now it's now or never. You got to make your move. So was never more evident that we're nine weeks in today with the news of the Las Vegas Raiders firing their head coach, Shoss McDaniels and general manager. This move means... I believe the number is we've seen four GMs, and this is the eighth head coach since Al Davis died in 2011 and his son took over. Talk about mismanagement, which leads me to the theme of the week. This isn't just sports related, but in general, success doesn't come from a single person. So it's not like the Raiders are going to go hire some person and change it. It starts from the top and it's earned through hard work, trust, empowerment at all levels and patience doesn't happen when there is a lack of trust and leaders in an organization spend more time developing alliances or undermining peers. It's just a simple fact. I've experienced this over two and a half decades of my career uh, in business. And the Raiders' dysfunction is well-documented. There's a New York Times re- like scathing investigative report. I think they're actually reporting on a bunch of different reporters, but they had about a bunch of uh, primary sources as well from last summer about bullying, hostile work environment, a lot of HR issues. And so it's not, we're not even talking about things on the field, but just the day-to-day feeling when you're in the building, when you're going to practice, you're going to meetings, you're getting your paycheck, when all those things are messed up, or there's backstabbing, it just, you can't be, you can't be successful, period. And my sole point is if you're a Raider fan, this move today won't change anything until Mark Davis is willing to sell the team to a competent owner. And by the way, that's a 50-50 proposition probably at best, or he can grow and to let others really run the organization appropriately and he can step aside, which I don't know if he can. Seems like he's probably not. Ultimately, the result in the field simply won't change. Yeah, maybe they win 10 or 11 games one year out of nowhere, but it's not a consistent success. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs where there's been consistency and ownership and a really strong operating model where they hire good people and empower them and they're consistently good. My San Francisco 49ers actually have had some hiccups when Eddie DeBartle had to walk away and his sister took over the team and he gave it over to his husband, John York, who didn't know what he was doing. We had a period of incompetence, basically. Now, their son, I think, is taking a page from Eddie DeBartolo, and he's had his hiccups, but been a pretty consistent empowerment of the key people. And they're consistently have good draft picks and are competitive that around the league. What's the lesson about this from fantasy? And this is why I bring it up. The biggest component of fantasy success that I believe is controllable is recognizing what teams may be gaining stability or have stability and will outperform or those that are on the upswing and which ones are going to be a dumpster fire. There's a reason why I don't have a single Arizona Cardinal on most of my teams this year or a Las Vegas Raider or several other teams like that. It's because I knew or I felt in my heart that the likelihood of them being bad teams and underperforming and putting up bad stats was very high. And counter to that would be the Seattle Seahawks. I had pretty good sense the Seahawks would be above average the last two years, and they have been. Why? 
I didn't believe that they were tanking. They had the same general manager and scouting personnel team. They had the same owner. They had a lot of stability there. Um, and then they had the same coach, and that coach has consistently won. And they had talent. So, yes, the quarterback change, and ironically, they've improved, right? They, they shipped off Russell Wilson for a bunch of picks, handed the reins to Geno Smith. And Geno Smith, has he been a world beater? No, but he's been a lot better than Russell Wilson. Another example of this would be the Bucks this year. I don't have any Bucks on my team, but I had a suspicion that they would outperform offensively than what people thought. And the reason why is because the same infrastructure is there, same scouting department, same coaching staff as the Tom Brady years. And there's quite a bit of talent there. Really good receivers, quality offensive line. Yeah, not a lot of sexy running backs and or tight ends, but they had them. And and are they a world beater? No. But they're competitive. They're putting up numbers. And from a fantasy perspective, there's a lot of arbitrage there. I think it's an area for you to be thinking about, especially as we go forward next year, what are the teams going to be bad? And don't listen to the pundits. Think about the stability. Think about the organization. What's consistently happened there? And what are the ones that are looking up and would be stronger? And again, look past the media reports, look past the shiny new object, and just look at the organization from ownership, management, what's in flux, what's not. I think when there's changes, there's optimism and that's fine. But if the change for change sake, which is what the Raiders are doing right now, don't buy it. Anyhow, let's keep going here. Trade deadline. Awesome stuff yesterday. Not a lot of fantasy relevant trade happened in the last week or two. Just recapping some of the moves. This even goes back a few weeks, but you have a couple of weeks ago, you have Cam Akers to the Vikings. That's actually turned out to be somewhat fantasy relevant, although we'll see what happens given the change over there. And I've got another comment on them in a second. Chase Claypool to, to the Dolphins. That's not going to be relevant. I just don't think Chase Claypool is talented, but doesn't seem to be willing to put in the work and the effort, and Miami's just deep there. Mikel Hardman to the to Chiefs, that could be interesting, particularly as a bi-week filler. He obviously knows the offense. They're desperate for somebody who can make plays. So he that could be interesting. I'd watch it. He played this past weekend, and I think he's been on the team now for two weeks. So something to watch, but I wouldn't go out and run out and say, oh, this is going to be a game changer. The biggest move, I would say, is Joshua Dobbs. On the offensive side of the ball, Joshua Dobbs going to the Vikings from Arizona. Dobbs was average, much better than I expected when he got traded in the preseason to Arizona and took the reins. Arizona's not in a good place to be competitive. They've got some talent, but not enough. And the organizationally, going back to the, the organization stuff, it's just a it's, a it's a dumpster fire. Let's call it what it is. I like Dobbs as a fantasy player. The Vikings have some talent there. They needed a mobile quarterback. Their line is pretty poor. So he could be fantasy relevant. I also wouldn't count out the rookie, Jaron Hall. If he plays even admirably this weekend, I could see him keeping the job just because they're like, let's see what we've got here. But I would expect Jobs gets the job, not this weekend, but certainly by next weekend. And the only other offensive move was Donovan Peoples-Jones from Cleveland to the Lions. Clearly, he was more as welcome in the Lions unit depth. Donovan Peoples Jones is from went to University of Michigan. And not a big shift here from Cleveland to Detroit in terms of where he lives. The only other big move, I would say, is Chase Young to the 49ers defensive end. When he's right and healthy, he is a dominant pass rusher. If he is right, that's going to be pretty impressive. And then also Leonard Williams' defensive line, very good defensive lineman to Seattle. That has another potentially very impactful move. The only other one, Montez Sweat to the Bears. I don't know what they were thinking here. Giving up a second round pick to Washington there doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And clearly Washington's rebuilding. They picked up a second and third round picks, trading Sweat and Young. 
Okay, last segment of this episode. I just want to go through some of the top performers each of the positions, just call out. This is a rare rarity. We've got, we're eight weeks into the season, going into week nine. In the top 10, in most positions, we've got multiple guys on IR, or at least one guy on IR. It's really sad. It's a state of the NFL these days. But I just want to call out on the quarterback side, not shocking to see Hertz and Allen and even Lamar Jackson top three. Cousins was the fourth overall quarterback, averaging 19 points a game. Tua's five. Patrick Mahomes is six. Herbert seven. Russell Wilson sneaking in there at, at, at eight. Brock Purdy sneaking there at nine. Again, these guys are having to buy this week, so they're a little bit inflated on total points because of that. And in fact, actually, Russell Wilson's averaging, yeah, there's a big drop-off between Herbert and Wilson, almost three points per game uh, drop-off. C.J. Stroud, top-ranked rookie in that top 15 bucket, so just right out of the QB1 ranking. And as I mentioned, Baker Mayfield, who's hurt, maybe missed some time, but he's in that top 20. So in, in the Superflex League, he's been a quality starter for you, just which is surprising. Sam Howell, by the way, in that top, he's at number 12, I believe, right here, 12 or 13. Dobbs was, is right behind Howell. Some interesting names here. Those And those are the names I think no one expected, right? If I told you the first eight, no one would be shocked. I think Purdy at nine, not shocking. Goff at 10. But you get Sam Howell at 11, Dobbs at 12, CJ Stroud at 14. Those are surprising. And then Baker Mayfield at 16, Jordan Lovett at 15. Those are names I think none of us love was hot in the preseason. But okay, running back. Christian McCaffrey is way out here. He's actually the highest scoring per week player. Actually, he's right behind Tyreek Hill, so I misspoke, at 24 points a game, leading the league in rushing, having an obviously great year through the year. He's got 13 touchdowns. Uh, I think the surprise, though, is Etienne. Travis uh, Etienne, or Etienne is number two overall. He's averaging just shy of 20 points a game. Been really dynamic back. And remember that Tank Bigs, Bigsby talk in the preseason? He's going to steal carries, he's going to take the goal line carries. Obviously, he hasn't come to fruition. Etne's got seven rushing touchdowns through this part of the season, and he's in the top three in rushing yards. He's getting catches. He's got 27 catches for 266 yards, basically at the midway point of the, of the year. So he has become an explosive RB1 and is the number two overall. Mostert has come off a little bit. He scored 12 touchdowns. He's the number three back but not quite as explosive as he was the last couple of years. I also had the last couple of weeks to slow it down a bit as Miami's offense has been bottled up. And then you got Zach Moss at number four. And that's a shock, right? He's averaging almost 17 and a half points, 121 total points scored. He's rushed for 589 yards so far, five TDs. And he's got 16 catches for 123 yards and another TDs. Really dynamic player, shockingly putting up huge numbers. A fifth guy is on IR. It's Devin A-Chain. Swift is number six, Kenneth Walker seven, Kyron Williams is number eight, even though he's missed now two weeks. He often got a great start with seven TDs and about 600 total combined yards with 13 catches. Pretty dynamic. Pacheco is number nine. He's quietly but sneakily having a pretty good season there. He's only got four touchdowns, but quite a bit of yards. And he's only averaging 12, almost 13 points a game. It's not like he's been super dynamic. They haven't had their buy yet, so obviously putting up good numbers. 10 is Brees Hall, who's slowly coming on. They're overusing him. They're just driving him in the ground, but very good player, just in a pretty one-dimensional offense. And then you've got Brian Robinson Jr. is having a really nice year. He's averaging 12 points a game in that top 15 slot there. Then Jacobs is, Josh Jacobs is underperformed and, and disappointed. 
Derrick Henry's a little bit off here, but he's next up. And then Bijan, everyone's favorite uh, running back. This guy was drafted as like a top five, top six, top seven running back in almost every redraft league. And he is, he's doing great. I think he's awesome. He's going to be amazing, but you can see where he's at, right? He's not even a top 10 running back. And maybe that changes in the second half of the year as he gets his sea legs. Uh, Alvin Kamara is next up, um, averaging almost 19 points a game. So if Alvin Kamara hadn't had those three game suspension, he'd be a top four back. So he's right back where he, everyone expected him to be. He's only scored three touchdowns, but got a ton of catches, 39 catches for 228 yards so far, just crazy. And then next you got James Cook. And then another surprise is Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is top 15 fantasy back so far through the season. Obviously, big touchdown weekend. Obviously, this propelled them this past weekend. At receiver, I, I'll blow through these names. They're most of them, although the surprise would be Puka Nakua at number six. But you got Tyreek at one, just having a fantastic MVP quality season. You got AJ Brown at number two, five, almost five points lower per game than Tyreek. Stefan Diggs is just slightly behind him at 18-3. EJ Moore is four at 16 points per game. So pretty big drop off after those first, actually drop off behind Hill. And then Brown and Diggs are one, about one point apart from each other. And then three point per game drop to DJ Moore. And then you got Chase, Jamar Chase, who's actually at a per game basis closer to the Diggs, AJ Brown bucket, but he's missing games. Kua is next. Then you got Keenan Allen, Jordan Allen, Addison, the rookie. I'm on St. Brown, Adam Thielen, who's somebody I call that as a sleeper, is having a great year. He's top 10 right now. And on a per-game basis, actually, he's having a pretty good, pretty good year, too, at 16 points. So he's actually a little bit higher on the per-game basis. C.D. Lamb, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson's now there. IR, he's obviously missed a handful of games now. Devontae Adams, Nico Collins is a name we didn't expect. And then the promise of, of George Pickens comes in. You got Christian Kirk and George Pickens. Interesting bucket there. At tight end, Kelsey's on top. Obviously, he missed the game, but he's having a great year. This is his season. Second, you got rookie Sam Laporta. Definitely a surprise. He's got 43 catches already for 434 yards. Guy's on pace to have a monster year. 80-plus receptions, I think around 900 yards. And he's got four TDs, so eight, nine TDs is where he would land at his current course and speed. Um, Mark Andrews is third. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, then George Kittle. Cole Clement, his surprise, he had three TD, 35 catches, 319 yards, so pretty solid season there. He's coming in at number six. So he's the first kind of surprise outside the rookie, Sam Laporta. And then you get into established kind of consistent targets with Evan Ingram in Jacksonville, who's on pace for a pretty big year too. He's got 51 catches and 434 yards. So over the course of the year, he's going to end up in the high 90s, maybe 100 and close to 1,000 yards. But he scored zero touchdowns. So that's really holding Evan Ingram back. If he had a couple of touchdowns scored at this point, he'd be a top three tight end. And then Dallas Godart, who's missed a time. I think he missed one game and has just not been as a focal point. But he's having an okay year, 35 catches and 360 yards and two TDs. Taysom Hill is next. And a lot of this is his running. Darren Waller's been hurt, but he's right there. Logan Thomas. And then now Kyle Pitts is actually on pace to have an okay year, like something like 70 catches and 700 yards and a couple TDs, but not where he should be. And right behind him is Jono Smith. So number 10 and then number 11 is Jono Smith. If you just combined them, they would have, be having a great year. Not Kelsey level, not Sam Laporta level, but right there. Actually on a yardage basis, they would be above those guys, but only have two TDs. Anyhow, that's that. And at kicker, 
I think the big surprise, maybe not the surprise, but Jake Elliott, again, Eagles have a great offense, but they've been uh, getting stuck a little bit in the red zone more than they did last year. So Elliott's off to a fantastic start with a ton of field goals. He actually is tied for the league lead in field goals. And he's 18 of, he's had 20 attempts. He's had 18 of them and a ton from 50 plus. He's five of six from 50 plus and three of three from 40 to 49. Really good year there for him. And then the rest of the names, Dustin Hopkins at Cleveland, Brandon McManus with Jacksonville, Harrison Butker with KC, and Brandon Aubrey, the rookie, or at least undrafted free agent from Dallas, who was, he's been perfect. He's 18 of 18 and three of three from 50 plus. So really solid stuff. Anyhow, on that note, I hope everyone has a great week. Excited for week nine ahead. This is make it or break it. You got to make your move now. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's go. Everybody have a great day. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uh, I said, uptown.